In Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than God and the heavenly beings. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And you have put all things under his feet. Crucial, crucial portion of scripture as it shows us our place in the world. So over the years, evolution has tried to destroy the God consciousness in a human being. You understand that your conscience is the voice of your spirit, and it is sacred. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit, and it is sacred. All through the word, even when it comes to people feeling not good about something that you do, but you feel good about it. It says you're not to violate their conscience. You're to walk with wisdom around that. Conscience is sacred. It is a part of our lives. And that is why wisdom of government put it in there uh, years ago that you don't touch conscience and you leave it be. And so that's a big issue uh, in good government. But as you look back, in time, there's a word that we don't use much anymore called virtue. Virtue would often mean, well, I'm going to protect my daughter's virtue. So lock them up at home, don't let them go anywhere, be able to keep them virtuous. And that word has been changed from the way it originally was intended. In the time of the Greeks and the Hebrews back then, the word virtue had something completely different to it. It meant a sense of excellence in spiritual, in physical, and in moral living. Excellence. And they always connected four attributes to it. Courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom were so prized by the, in, in the early world. Because without courage, you're not going to do anything. Courage is crucial. It's vital. Without temperance, you're just this lustful leader you know, not being moderate, not thinking things through. You're just going after anything you want. So you, you have to have a composure, a self-control, a moderation, a balance is all flowing around this word we don't use anymore either called temperance. And then justice. Well, this word justice, a fairness for the people around us to serve, to fellowship, to be good, to be kind is all woven into the word justice. And it's different than law. For all the lawyers who are here, you know this well. Law is the best we can do on this side of heaven. So have good and just laws. But justice is not law. Uh, you know, we're, that's what the law is working towards. And so justice is crucial. And then wisdom. You can have courage. You can be temperate. You can be just and just be stupid. 
And so you get up and just do a whole bunch of stuff. You don't even use wit. Wisdom is the ability to surround yourself with wise counselors. Wisdom is the ability that says the first person always sounds right till you listen to the other side is a, is a huge issue with wisdom. You never only take your counsel from one side. If you've got a second side, a third side, a fourth side, wise counselors sit down and walk their way through them all. And because that's crucial to leadership. Otherwise, you're just an opinionated leader, which is one step from pride. So courage, temperance, justice, wisdom, these are so crucial in our lives. And these aren't male or female. They just are. These are the things that build great communities, builds a great church, builds a great country. And so it's crucial that we understand that. Doing the right thing takes courage. And, and this is something we've got to understand, is that we think of courage as some heroic person with a six-pack and a big chest and a, and, and a sword in one hand. And all of us guys, you know, who grew up with movies, you know, that's how we see ourselves. But courage is not just violence. Courage is, is not this. Courage is a part of virtue. And once you understand that, you'll recognize that the, the Word of God teaches these four all the way through the Bible. It'll break them up into armor. It'll break them up into fruits of the Spirit. It'll break them up into biblical teachings and stories. But these four weave their way through the Bible all the time. And so they balance each other out. If you get far too down the road courageous, but you're not being wise, wisdom should be there to help you make the wise choices and the wise places that you should go. So this virtue that I'm talking about, this excellence of living, it's not a one-time event. It's a daily challenge that today live with wisdom, today be temperate, today be just for the people that are around you that are hurting and being taken advantage of. Uh, you know, make sure. You know, the other day we were told about a woman who was raped on... Um, on the transit system, while people just sat there and no one did anything in one of our cities. And just, just a week or two ago. And you think, wasn't there anybody on there that would just get up and scream at him or do something? Why do people not want to get involved? Why do we not stand up, step up? It's courage and being virtuous in this sense is not about just protecting yourself because it's not your area. We must rise up. Every day, you are going to have a challenge to speak up with courage. And wisdom is attached to that. And moderation is attached to that. And justice is attached to that. That's why your anger doesn't serve you well at all. That's why emotionally upset and doing things will destroy anything you get involved in. Because this virtue is what God is talking about. So let's dive into this a little bit. I like a saying Leo Tolstoy said, there is no deed in this life so impossible that you cannot do it. Your whole life should be lived as one heroic deed. Your whole life. Not just, well, one day I'm going to be called out like Esther and I was made for such a time as this. I believe there are times like that. But what I have noticed about people is they are not courageous in one singular event unless it's by accident. 
Unless it's by accident. It's like, you know, the mob guy that got all his lieutenants together and he had a swimming pool full of piranha and alligators. And uh, he said, the man that will swim the length of this pool can marry my daughter and stand with me in this empire. No one moved. All of a sudden, there's a splash. And this man is blasting. They've never seen a person swim so hard and dive over alligators and push off the piranha. And he dives off at the other end unscathed. I've been blood in different places. And he says, whoa, man, that's incredible. What do you want? I mean, my daughter, he says, I just want to know the name of the guy that pushed me. <laughs> now, let's, let's just dissect this a little bit. The cur- there was no courage in this. Do you understand? There was no courage. He did not on his own jump in to have this woman in marriage. He was pushed and he frantically did everything in his power to stay alive. That's it. We must be courageous each day. We must walk in justice each day. We must be temperate, moderate in what we say and what we do and how we live each day. And we must seek wisdom. It cries aloud in the concourses of our country. It cries aloud in the hallways of arts and academia. It cries aloud in the hallways of government. It cries aloud in the businesses that make billions and millions and decide so much of our country. And if the church of Jesus Christ will not be there, then we have abdicated leadership by not having our kids believe. What is wrong with Christians when we train our kids to be realistic? They have dreams in their little hearts that rise up in directions. And, oh, they might share this dream in a wild, crazy way. And moms and dads, and well, you know, I mean, we don't want them to get hurt. So we begin to bring them down to our fearful level. We bring them down to the areas that we couldn't get victory on. And we couldn't do it. What makes our kids think they can? Because you can be the coach to make them believe in the God that they serve and the things that are on the inside of them to rise up and be great for the kingdom of God. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he said this, this great Russian, he said that from ancient times, you can study this, when there is a decline in courage, it is the first symptom of the end. It's never how big the giant is. It's never how big the warfare is. It's never how much the other side has for money. It's never about odds that are so overwhelming. It's never about that. It's simply a lack of courage because courage is such a precursor to faith and faith is a precursor to courage. And until someone rises up with faith and begins to speak the word of God, who does God work through? For 40 days, David was in the meadows and his brothers listened to Goliath. For 40 days, shall curses at them till they were afraid and when he got up God did not move till David stood up and was counted and I want you to know in your life stand up with wisdom and courage stand up with a sense of decorum and justice but never be silenced never because we are the salt and light for every area of our society and where we are silent we will pay the price Courage, it's crucial. There's different people that have changed my life. Jesus, number one. But then as I look at heroes in the past, 
And as I read and study their lives, their biographies and autobiographies, you just shake your head and go, where do these people get this kind of courage? How come Winston Churchill could grow up with unloving parents, teachers who thought he was dumb, taken prisoner in war and, and made an escape, runs for public office? I mean, he's a published writer. He enlists in World War I. I mean, then he was like outed into the political wilderness, and then he's got to come back. He stood up against Nazism in, its, in his finest hours. When you look at this man and you recognize how many people shut him down, and I mean Chamberlain, if you read the story, the former uh, prime minister was just trying hard to, let's make a deal with Hitler, make a deal with Hitler, make a deal with Hitler. Everything's going to go away. Everything's going to be fine. Make a deal with Hitler. Make a deal with Hitler. And he had a certain percentage of people that were believing it. And Winston Churchill had a, something on the inside that said no. And you can listen to his famous speeches. I love them. I mean, it's, it's done in, in not the language we would use today. But when he talks about fighting for freedom and justice, you know, it's, we're going to fight him on the beaches. We're going to fight him in the air. We're going to fight him in the water. We're going to fight him in the streets. We're going to fight with France. We're gonna, he just goes on and on. We're, and he's talking about physical fighting. We have to understand the fight of faith, the fight to get up and prophesy through prayer to our country, to train and equip our kids to be a beautiful and vital, amazing part of society in all these areas. You can look at them and say, well, I, I've read the story. I, I know some of Winston Churchill's flaws and failures and his moments with no courage. Do you know why we like finding flaws in people? Do you know why? Because it gives us an excuse to do nothing. Every time I see a great man or a woman rise up anywhere, church, politics, business that rises and has something to say, you're going to know, inquiring minds want to know, what are his flaws? What are her flaws? And so we just dress him down. We find a flaw. And here's the thing. You're always going to find flaws. But the only reason that you like to find flaws in leaders who are doing something is that it gives people an excuse to do nothing. Well, they're not perfect. No person is perfect, but this sense of courage, the sense of speak up wherever you are with what God's given you and, and to do this in a way that we are salt and light, that we are walking from a, from a position of love, but we're not stupid or naive or quiet. While the Bible says, Leon, we are as sheep to the slaughter and sheep don't make a sound. It says as. It's a comparison. It doesn't say we are. And read it in context. It's showing this incredible trust in God. And at the same time, in the same chapters, David is saying, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. He's my right hand. He's my buckler and my shield. Ain't nothing going to stop me. Like, get into context with your doctrine. Most people who want doctrines of doing nothing from the Bible, you'll never convince them. They need doctrines to do nothing so they feel good about doing nothing. Rosa Parks, what an amazing woman. I mean, she didn't just do this one great thing by sitting in the wrong side of the bus as a brilliant black woman. Daily she had to live in courage. Daily she had to do the right things. Daily she rose up. And God used this to help break down the segregation and the things that were going on. Follow these great people's lives and you will find they don't become courageous once. They do courageous things every day. And it's in those courageous things every day. Give Jesus a hand. It's in those courageous things every day that you begin to build up 
a resilience. Hey, if you want to be a soccer player, play soccer every day. You want to play trumpet, then practice trumpet every day. You, whatever you want to do, you got to be by becoming and work. If you want to be virtuous and courageous and temperate and you want to be wise and you want to, then do these things every day in your marriage, with your kids, with the people around you. History does not talk about cowards. History does not talk about people with no courage. History doesn't even talk about the mass of humanity who sit around waiting for someone to rise up. History it shows the blood, the sweat, the tears, and the things that these people do. They're etched into eternity. They are books written about them, movies written about them. Everybody here, including me, is so inspired by a hero. Just wow, and it does something to us. We walk out of that movie with our chest sticking out, inspired. People who stood up for something or sat down in the wrong place on the bus. People who risked, people who spoke up, people who tried, people who continued even though they were fearful, people who acted with courage. We are first called to rise up and face our personal fears. Next, we're called to bravery. We're called to rise up over the elements, over our limitations. We're called to, to get up. And if God wants to use you in a way that's heroic, fantastic. But that's not our goal. Our goal is that daily, it's like David. You know, you look at David. Man, the shepherd boy took out a, a, a giant. You are so wrong. He took out a lion first. And he took out a bear first. And he served that flock of sheep. He served his dad as his leader. He wasn't serving sheep. He was looking after sheep for his dad. He served them so well, he grabbed the lion by the beard and killed it, it says. He, he, I mean, when you look at these things that David did, he every day lived with this virtue. You and I must did you know that it is courage that allows beautiful things to exist? It's courage that allows democracy to exist. It's courage that allows justice to exist. It's courage that allows families to make decisions about their kids and not some government person telling you what you're going to teach them and do with them. It is courage that lets, allows beauty to rise out of our lives and everywhere we go. So we've got to ask ourselves a question. What force prevents courage? What force do we deal with all the time? The Spartans, according to history, they built a temple to fear. So, Leon, that's kind of a stupid thing to do. Why'd they do that? They did it so that there was always an understanding fear is ever with you. And so they could always handle it. When, when something rose up, they were always reminded fear is going to push. Don't give in to it. Rise up and speak up for Christ. Rise up and share your faith with the people around you. Rise up and if you must and you sense God and it's not the, um, Leon, it's not a career-wise move. Yeah, tell that to Moses. Tell that to Joshua. Tell that to Gideon. Tell that to Paul. Tell that to Peter. Tell that to Jesus. Like, really? We are in a battle against fear. And so we've done a lot of messages on fear. Study it. Know how it works. Understand that it's nothing good in fear. That fear is a spirit. That it was absent from the planet until in the fall they handed it over to Satan. And that is the very 
culture of the dark kingdom, it always starts with fear because fearful people can easily be herded, crowded, make decisions. Anger is always the second emotion after fear. We battle against fear. But did you know that according to the ancient uh, philosophers that, that when it comes to the opposite of courage, in their minds, it was never fear. Fear was something to dealt with. Do you know what they saw the opposite of courage? Apathy. They saw the opposite of courage. This would be, well, throwing up your hands with a sense of, there's not much we're going to do, so let's just be realistic. That is what courage is fighting. Yes, you need to deal with fear because there's a group in there. But then there's a group who, in the reasoning of their mind, they always feel like, well, the church of Jesus Christ, I mean, we're doing what we can. Look, at we're just being defeated. Jesus, blow the trumpet. Get us out of here. Like whatever these, these doctrines of, of, of weakness and apathy and, and giving up are, we've got to recognize in me and in you that one of the most used phrases in the Bible is, be not afraid. Yeah, isn't God wonderful? He's just encouraging us to be not afraid like a dad. Or is it from God in a way that is saying, don't be afraid. It'll take out your faith. It'll take out your courage. It'll take out your wisdom. It'll remove your creativity. It'll remove your leadership and your influence. If you are afraid, you'll raise up a generation of fear mongers. You'll raise up a generation that'll try nothing. Fear is absolutely so horrible, it shouldn't appear in your marriage, your family, your home, your church, in any area. And much of what goes on, you know, fear, go, well, you know, and then we look for a reason. Be strong. Be courageous. Recognize that we cannot let fear rule us. You know, we live in a world that's really crazy. There's never been a time when the opinion of faceless, unaccountable strangers is so important to us. What if they blog about me? Who cares? Well, you know, Leon, there's prices to pay. Oh, I get it. But, you know, we used to listen to wisdom and have people around us to listen to. Now there's just this kind of open-ended people that we don't know. It's faceless bloggers and it's faceless Instagrammers and it's faceless Twitters. And, you know, if we do something here, what if they rise up and come against us? Really? So our forefathers in the, in the church of years past gave up lives and we don't want to give up being liked is the number one issue. I want to be liked. Courage. It's an honest commitment. It's a, it, it's a daily commitment to noble ideals. And courage is crucial. You're never going to get your marriage to where you want it without the, the courage on the inside of you. Well, Leon, we're praying and believing God. Isn't that interesting? Me too. Then why did he give you an armor? If four people get hired by me and they walk up here on stage and I hand one a hammer, and I hand another a pencil and some, art, and some artistic drawings, and I handle another a pencil and some drawings with, you know, gratings and, and beam lengths, and then I hand somebody else armor. By giving you something, I'm telling you already the direction that you're going to go. So a wimpy believer who just doesn't want to be attacked, who believes that faith stops the attacks. No, faith and faith and wisdom will stop a lot of attacks, but you can't stop them all. And when they come, 
You get up and fight with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God praying and Holy Spirit guides you and Jesus leads you by name into the path you need in career, the path you need in relationships, the path you need in finances, the path you need in any area. He leads you by name very specifically. He doesn't lead you like the Old Testament, one great big country. He's got principles and directions, but you, he'll lead individually. You've been given an armor. You've been given a sword. It is a sign of the fact that if you want your kids to have a world where the gospel continues to grow, if you want your great-grandkids to live in a world, and they're not going to just, you know, I look back in history, and and some of the things that tick me off is how many fights we refight and refight and refight, and no one seems to deal with this properly. And so, you know, last time we talked, and, and I talked about why building, building is the greatest form of warfare you can do. Build a great nation. And then you got the money and the people and the attitude and the, and the stuff that you need. So that's why be a wise master builder as the kingdom of God. You and your individual life. People who are always on their heels fighting, they're always on defense. People who are building are always looking towards the future saying, okay, we need to build this into our kids, build this into our economy as we vote people in. We need to recognize, does any leader we put in have any sense of the future and can build us in that direction? Because fighting and arguing and, and, and is a crazy way to live. This issue of being wise master builders is crucial for all of us. I've got to shut it down here. You know, when it says in God's Word in Psalm 63, verse 8, David says, my soul follows hard after you. In other words, you just try and, get, and let me, uh, you know, try and outdistance me. He was not going to let go of God. He was not going to hide, fade back from God. God had a plan and he's leading him. And there's things that are going on that we need to know our God. And David just let, let everybody know with that wonderful psalm, I'm not, I'm not going to be left behind. Hard pressed. I'm hanging out with God. I challenge you today. Recognize when fear is in you. Why well, refuse to recognize fear? No, that's, that's why I talk about the Spartans. There is fear pushing at you, and you have fears. Deal with them. You can't deal with you can't command, you can't speak to a mountain that you don't believe is there. Recognize that to deal with the fear in our lives. And to rise up as more than conquerors. To rise up as this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Recognize that Jesus is within us. That we have a mandate, all of us around this planet, to get up and to share. And you know what destroys fear? What destroys it is we have not the spirit of fear, but of power. This power resides within the born-again believer. And of love. And this love resides within the the born-again spirit of a believer. And a sound mind, this ability to have a sound mind, is when from the spirit, Holy Spirit within your human spirit, is equipping your mind, renewing it, bringing the principles that you need for this week, which is why devotions and reading the Bible is so powerful. Because the Holy Spirit from your human spirit. Uh, he, he'll just begin, you'll be reading the word and he'll just be planting it in your heart so that as you rise up that this powerful verse 
about not having the spirit of fear. The other three aren't cute little emotions, okay? Power, the power of God. Love, love is such a strong force that as, depending on which way you're teaching here, it's the most powerful force, period. Because you can give somebody a lot of reasons to fight, lay down their life, stand up, but when it's a mom, I've often said you could be, have a phobia about snakes, but when a snake crawls through your nursery, up the crib legs of your baby, that is one dead snake. Why? Because the motivation of love. Nehemiah, trying to rally people, said, come on, let's do this for your kids and your grandkids. He recognized the greatest ability to rise up courageous people is touch their love as a motivation. And look ahead and recognize the church for 2,000 years has dropped the ball so many times, but not on our watch. Not on our watch. And then they write doctrines around the things the church dropped the ball on. That's the way to go. If it didn't work in the past, why repeat the stuff? The Bible says, if the Bible in Jeremiah will tell one prophet, you're going to determine the taking down of nations and the rising up of nations. One man, he promised him the words coming out of his mouth. Then what are we going to do with the entire church of Jesus Christ? Praying and speaking the word and, and, and being salt and light. My challenge is to you is I don't know what's eating you for lunch, but get into the word. Listen to this message over and over until it gets in your spirit and you get up and live with such joy, with such a big smile that you can just get up and share this love and share in courageous ways. Get involved with whatever giftings you've been given. And if a church does it, I'm telling you, incredible things happen because God breaks on the scene. God's attracted to movement. <laughs> He'll be attracted to one man's movement. He'll be attracted to one church's movement. He'll be attracted to one family's movement. He'll be attracted to your business as it moves up with righteousness and courage and temperance and justice and wisdom. God is attracted to men and women of faith who get up. You, my friend, are called by God. Well, Ian, I don't feel that way. Well, in the last 10,000 years of humans walking the planet, why didn't he put you a hundred years ago? Why didn't he put you a thousand years ago? Why, aren't you, why weren't you born to some camel herder on the backside of the desert? Or in 500 BC on some remote island somewhere? Why are you here in this day, this season? It is always because you're needed here and what is in you is going to make a difference. Do not let the enemy keep you down. Father, we thank you for your spirit. <laughs> your presence is so powerful, so wonderful, so joyful, encouraging. Just, just talking about you and your word just brings such a sense of courage. And Father, I thank you that courage, that justice, that wisdom, that temperance aren't in the spirit of the dark kingdom. They come out of you and they're in us. I thank you for your life. I thank you for the inspiring, the inspiration, the breathing in of your spirit for every believer right now. For those that don't know you, that they'd make that decision. Guide us in the exciting years ahead. Guide us because we are more than conquerors. Guide us as we win battle after battle. Guide us, Father, to rework if we're not on the right path. And to continue to touch this world 
Jesus. I pray this in your wonderful name. And everybody in agreement with this prayer said, Amen and Amen.